Hey, Sender. Hey, Phil. Um, how do I say deal with uh, my cousin who's like not doing a great job at the table, but I'm like, you know, if I say something, Zan and Uncle are going to be like on my case. Like, I don't know. What do I do here? I don't know. I, boy, it sounds like you have a problem with a family member at your table. I do. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. Uh, I am one of your hosts who is a um, only child with a half-sister who lives across the country and 10 years younger than me, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who says her name first so she won't forget it and also has a stepsister. Um, but that's about it. I'm an only child, really. <laughs> Which is hilarious based on our topic that we're yes. going to talk about today. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Putting our bona fides on the table, or in this case, yeah. what we're not really qualified to talk yeah. about, but we're going to do it anyway. Siblings, probably not a thing that either of us are super qualified to discuss. We'll just lay that straight out there. But, you know, whatever. Also, welcome to the show. Um, We don't have a script this week. Um, We have a little bit of one that we threw together just now. Um, The two of us, we're going to be winging it a little bit. So bear with us if we are not quite as smooth or laid out as we normally are. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, my job is usually to get the script together. Uh, but I had a super hectic day yesterday with some family stuff and getting a car fixed that took too long, blah, 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 blah. End result, no script for the show. Yeah. But fine. we didn't want to let you down. So here we are. We're going to just do a show and we're going to speak slowly so that we don't kill Ryan uh, when Ryan has to clean this up, because when we are off script, we are less structured than when we are scripted. <laughs> but you know what? We are also professionals. That's what we're leaning on today. Professionals. So we got this. <laughs> Before we jump into today's topic, would you like to um, would you like to do our announcement, which is about scheduling? Yes, absolutely. So one of these two things is coming up and one of these is a little bit more in advance and we'll give you another heads up as we get closer. Um, but so that this doesn't take anyone by surprise, we are planning for this. There will be no Pandas episode next week. Um, we are going to be on vacation and we will not be recording. So don't panic when that doesn't hit your feed. We are not pod fading, um, but we are not going to be doing an episode next week. Um, so that will be November 2nd. There will not be an episode that Wednesday. There also will be no episode November 30th, right? So that is the week after American Thanksgiving. Um, there will be no episode because we are not going to be recording the weekend after Thanksgiving because Correct. of traveling, et cetera, et cetera, family stuff. Okay. So that one is a little bit further out. We will remind you when we get closer to that one. Just know for right now, there's no new episode next week. And then we'll be back. We will be back the week after that um at our regularly scheduled time mm -hmm. did i cover that all i think perfection. so. perfection it wasn't super clear because i garbled the dates but no, you're with me right cool so for today's topic on twitter 
Um, Tiffany asked us how to deal with family members in a game who are causing problems as opposed to friends who are causing problems. And I think we've actually talked a lot about social construct stuff at the table um, with friends specifically based around the assumption that most of us are playing with friends most of the time. I don't think we've really addressed like a family member previously. Yeah. So some of the stuff we're going to talk about today will overlap with some past episodes, but uh, we are going to definitely address Tiffany's question about family members. But the way we're going to go about it, which is a very uh, pandas thing to do, uh, we're going to go super broad and talk about the concept of social context, right? Having and dealing with conflict in so different social contexts. And we'll talk a little bit more of that. So we're going to go broad first and talk about a bunch of things and talk about kind of the elements that go into social context and all of that. Then before we hit the end of the episode, we'll narrow it back down and specifically talk about advice dealing with family. Yes. So this will both answer Tiffany's question, but on a broader scale, we'll handle how to deal with conflicts when it's coworkers, friends, um, your family, like, you know, like your roommates, you know, in, in the apartment you share, um, the people on your floor in college, like we'll cover in some way all of those when we go broad and then we'll bring it back. Yeah, you're, gosh, you made me just sit here and think about all the ways and people that I play with. And that really pretty much just covered every person yeah. that I've ever played a game with, which is pretty funny. Anyway. So let's let's talk about the general problem here, right? So first of all, to just kind of tease out pieces of this, we have uh, problems occurring at the table. Now, let's split that out a little. If the problems that are occurring at the table are safety problems. Then forget everything that we're saying here. Yes. Lean right on your safety tools and do what you would always do regarding safety. Right. So if somebody is being uh, if somebody is being such a problem at the table that safety tools have to be enacted there, uh, they are breaking boundary like they're breaking lines and veils. They are. just they're being awful to the other players at the table in a way that people are feeling unsafe. You just kick in your safety tools and honestly, let the chips fall where they may. Like whatever fallout comes from that, regardless of family, social construct or whatever. At that moment, it is more important to be safe and to create safety for the people at your table than it is to worry about the niceties of smoothing out other types of problems. Okay, so just park that to the side. Everything else we're going to talk about is not a safety problem. It's just a problem that is a thing that is kind of messing up the flow and like groove of your game. So maybe this person is an alpha gamer, right? They're not jeopardizing safety, but they're telling everybody how to run their character or they're a ho- they're a spotlight hog. Um, they're, a, they're a rules lawyer. They're a they're, lone wolf. <laughs> they're a lone wolf, right? There are many, many of these things. They're somewhat obnoxious at the table, like whatever it is. It's not a safety issue, but it's messing with the groove and flow of your game. And the yeah. end is also probably messing with the other players too. Yes. Right. Um, my personal example 
um, that I always feel like for this kind of conflict where it's not actually a safety issue, but it was messing with my personal enjoyment of the game and other players' enjoyment of a game was, um, you know, having another player in the game who um, managed to create a character that could do everything that all of our characters could do um, by himself, right? Like yes, he was, he was in up in everybody's niches and he could do everything and he could do it better than us. So it was, it was a lot of like, why are we here? Um, why are we even bothering to be on this adventure? Because anything that I can roll, he can roll better. Yeah. Um, it's just like the song, anything you can do, I can do better. Like, but it was like that constantly. And it was like, why are we here? Um, so, you know, that's a problem and it's a conflict at the table, but it wasn't, a safety issue, Correct. right? Yeah. yeah. Good. So safety aside. Now, when we talk about family members, uh, we'll start broad, We'll start talking about family members. We're going to get into other types of relationships. But family can mean a lot of things, right? So family could mean as close as sibling and a parent, right? Like those are like yeah. direct family members. They could be a little further out. They could be aunts and uncles, cousins, those kinds of things that are like people you are related to for sure, but not people that are like in your immediate sphere uh, every day. Right. And but I also think that we should probably include spouses in immediate sphere. Like I sure, think that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Not I mean like technically technically kind of family, thing. but yeah, your yes. significant others are also into in this. They are not only blanketed in this, but some of the things when we talk about this, they actually um they will have some not other, but some of these things are turned up because they are your yeah, intimate cranked. partner. This one goes to 11. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, you know, how you feel about your sibling is going to be different than how you feel about, like, your spouse. Right. So just, yes. that, you know, but yet still family. Yes. All right. So cool. So we've talked about problem. We've talked about family. Friends is obvious, right? Like, we have yep. all different layers of friends from casual to close. Mm-hmm. But we also wanted to, when we said we were going to broaden this out, let's talk about some other social um, constructs that might wind up at the table. Coworkers. Yep. You've done that. I've definitely done that. And and what's funny about that is just like with friends, you know, there are layers of coworkers, right? So I have played with coworkers with whom I am also friends. Correct. People that I've actually kept touch in touch with after I've left that job, like yep. am still in contact with. Um, and I've also played with coworkers that like I didn't really know them past like first name basis. Um, like, hi, I know your name and I work with you, but we work in different offices and you're in town for three days and like we're gonna randomly play this one shot. Yep. Right. Like I have done that also. Yep. Um, so I have played a sort of the the gamut there, which which depending on where you are in that spectrum makes it lean a little bit more into like playing like friends with an additional layer of relationship or playing more like a convention game again with a different secondary layer of relationship, which is one of the points we're going to um, we're mm-hmm. going to hit on as we get into um, some of the considerations about um, social constructs. Let's talk about roommates. Yeah. So separate from partner, let's mm-hmm. talk about roommates, people you cohabitate with. Uh, yeah. You've actually done this as well. 
I do this right now. <laughs> yes, Andy is in are. every game I play. For yes. a little while, for a little while, we maintained separate game groups and then also a same game group, which was pretty funny. Um, and then and then she like drifted into my game group whenever it was at our house, which made perfect sense to me and like was totally fine and cool. And now the game is always at my house and Andy's just part of the game group, which is also yeah. totally cool with me. But like, so yes, I play with Andy all the time. She's currently running the game. Um. <laughs> and, and when we say roommates, this could be somebody uh, you share a house with, share an apartment with. This could be your roommates in college. Sure. If you are at university, these are the people that are living in your room around you. Yeah. It could also mean we could broaden it out a little bit more to mean like people who live on the same floor of the dormitory sure. as you, right? Like people with whom there's a little bit of a difference because there's space. a, um, there's yeah. a little bit of a difference in privacy. Yes. Right. So it's, uh, it becomes a spectrum, but proximity, proximity right, is, is the thing, right? Proximity versus privacy. There's like a sliding scale when it yes. comes to like roommate, like partner being the extreme, right? Yeah. Shares all of your intimate spaces. Um, and is not blood related to you. There's roommate shares most Many. of your intimate spaces, yes. but not all of them. Then there's like the people in your hall, right? Yeah. Shares Share, like, some of your intimate spaces, and the lobby. right? Yeah. But not all of them, right? So like <laughs> yeah. it slides so, like, down. Andy and I have separate bedrooms yep. and on like, separate floors. On like, separate floors. That's just incidental to the layout of my house, right? But um, yep. but yes, um, on separate floors. <laughs> And you have like, you know, but completely separate jobs, space. like separate, like you do, yeah, we but then you lives. do eat dinners together and you do hang out in the evenings together. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think we've covered, oh, let me cover just another one would be uh, people you go to school with. That's like coworkers. Sure. Right? Sure. That's I think it similar. is pretty much like, yeah. yeah I'm just saying that. if you're younger, then like the people you go to and school our, with are like your coworkers. Yeah. We're old. Yeah, we're old, so we just <laughs> old. think of it in terms of post-school, but same thing. Yes. Same, yeah. uh, and then lastly, we talked about friends. I wanted to talk about the scale of friends, right? There are casual friends, like people you game with and you only see on game nights. There are closer friends, people that you game with, and then like maybe you see them, like maybe you go to the movies and stuff like that. And then on the extreme side, I'm going to just call this family. Mm -hmm. These are people who are your found family. You are not blood related to them. So there is a little difference. But for all purposes, these people have become your family. You do holidays with them. You have been to each other's, you know, weddings, to each other's kids, baby showers, um, all of those things. And they're the people like that are like in the center orbit of your life. Yeah. And I think one of the things we have to just point out, and I it's maybe not true for everybody, but it's certainly true for me, at least. Um, and I think probably mostly true for you, too, which is that um, the stratosphere of my friendships as an adult essentially revolves around gaming. Right. Um, I have some friends from college. Um, and those were people that like, you know, we had the same major and um, and we've kept in contact and like good people and it's great. Right. But every friendship that I have formed as an adult from romantic relationships to casual relationships um, has ended up revolving around um, or beginning from a point of um, role playing games. And that's like sort of a wild oh. thing to realize as an adult. But like. That is the thing that makes me friends. So like 
that's how I meet people. I right? like oh, that's literally how I meet people. From age 10, from right. age 10 to now, all of my closest friends, all of the people who remain important in my life that are not blood related to me, yeah. have some connection to role playing games. People yes. I either I, I either gamed with in high school that I'm still close friend like that I'm still close friends with, people I gamed with um, when I uh, when I went to grad school, I, I make a skip here because I actually did not game uh, while I was in college. I gamed in the summers um, between college. So I, because of that, I actually, other than my roommates, don't have any long lasting friends from college. Yeah. So if I had been into role playing, that you might would have be different. Some. Yeah. I have the, the the really funny thing, which is so being a theater kid, there is a thing about doing theater together that creates a very similar style of relationships to doing games together because sure, of the I can long-term imagine that commitment. To be true. Yeah, and how you work together. So my outcome is like uh, theater kid friends, like, you know, awesome, right? Like still here for it. Um, the the people I was closest with, like I still have contact with. Um, but what's funny about that is they weren't role players in college, but they are now. <laughs> Like caught up to you, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like now they I know, now I know they the friend games. you're talking about in particular. Yeah, yeah. both of them. <laughs> Pretty funny, actually. Um, yeah, one of the like uh, one of one of whom like I actually played a game with um, before um, before the the other half of the couple also got into role playing games and now they both play, um, but hilariously not with me, um, which I understand because in my adventures of trying to figure out how to be a GM, I, I ran them a really terrible game um, and I totally would not play games oh, with me again with that experience. Um, they should return and play a game with you. You're fantastic. I've played well, many a game with you. I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, but there's no reason not to. Okay. No. Anyway, anyway, we'll get into a whole right separate along. topic. Yeah, 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 All yeah. right. So cool. <laughs> so point made that when it comes to the idea of, here's what we're trying to get to. The people you know have a social context in which the way you know them. And that social context will, in one way or another, influence how you deal with them in a conflict. Yes. Yep. Okay. That is, all right, so that is the whole point to this. If you were wondering why we were just spent the last 10 minutes going <laughs> through all this, this is the point. The point is when you have a conflict with someone, the social context in which you know them plays a role and will influence you. And so we're going to talk about some of the elements that are in play in this inside this social context. Yeah. So we're going to ping pong through these. Are you okay ping ponging through them? We'll just, yeah. or you want to just call them and we'll both talk about them? Sure. Um, okay. Or I can, yeah, let's just do that. So the first one is power dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that springs to mind for me um, for a power dynamic um, like this is a coworker situation. Sure. Right. Because that's, that's the kind of situation in which you may have a work relationship that, you know, exists on an org chart in which, yeah. you know, someone is literally like higher or lower on said org chart. And that will influence how you would approach a conflict with that person. Yes, um, because power dynamics create. So it is hard sometimes to have conflicts going up yeah. a power dynamic. Yeah. Um, this is why completely outside of gaming, 
one of the skills that I had to develop as a project manager is speaking truth to power because I often have to tell uh, people who are much higher than me on an org chart things that they do not want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I need to not buckle. All right. I've had some lessons in my past and someday I'll tell the stories about them. But I've had some lessons where I've watched people in those situations at work buckle and sat there slack jawed at the things that they promised to deliver. knowing And then go, that's not happening. Like, yeah. Right. And and being, you know, terrified that you can't say anything in that situation. Uh, so power dynamic is hard going uphill. Yes. And while it is, quote, easy to go downhill, the problem is if you are the one at the higher level, you think very innocently, I'm just addressing the person beneath them. But the person, the person who's at the lower level of the power dynamic is in that uphill situation and is now being talked down to and feels like they may not have a say that they can't speak their mind. They can't give their side of the story, like those kinds of things. They are receiving it from a a position of, of lesser influence, even if the person who is uphill on that dynamic doesn't think that they are approaching it from that direction. Inevitably that is there. Um, and depending on the style of relationship, you know, we could talk about um, you know, this comes up a lot and we won't spend a ton of time dwelling on it. Right. But like if we talk about at a convention, um, this comes up a lot with people who have, you know, long term standing in the industry, talking sure. to someone who might be new or, or um, it not comes even up in with, the industry. Yep. Or or all sorts of marginalizations. Right. Like so depending on the situation that you find yourself in. In terms of family, yes. this can be things like a parent. Yes. This could be things like a aunt or uncle who is older than you, right? Like is on a different tier of the family tree. There is an implied power dynamic inside a family tree. Yes. Yeah. Like it is implied and it does not always need to be respected. And then there are many arguments for times when it shouldn't be. But the default setting is elders, youngins. Right. And then you're, you know, the ones below you, the younger than you, like it it all good. There's a implied power dynamic to families. Yes. Okay. And some families have very explicit ones that I should say they're they're implicit and they're very strong based on like who who's, you know, who's the mom of this family or whatever and how that dynamic worked out before there ever were children. They can get very complicated and no one will ever say them out loud. Um, yes, but you're it, supposed to understand them. <laughs> as my parents were so clear with me when I was a kid, um, between my parents, it is a democracy. Yeah. When in regards to me, it is a benevolent dictatorship. Yes. <laughs> like there was there was never a time in my life where I ever misunderstood that I was not a voting member for right. decisions in the of house. That. Right. <laughs> yes. I my well-being was taken into account. My yes. wishes were heard, but at no they, point in the power dynamic of my family did I ever have a equal vote. My mom and my dad did. Yes. They voted, right? And came up to, you know, and discussed and came to compromises. But I was just in for on the racy chart, right? I was a, a C and an I consulted right. and, and informed. informed. Yeah, that was right? it. That's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you that's are it. a stakeholder, but you are not 
you Correct. don't own this product. Okay. Okay. So um, power. <laughs> so I think we've made clear power dynamic exists in a whole bunch of places. And yep. look, if you don't think that there's a power dynamic in your friendship group, take a real good look. Mm, you might. You're be probably. Just you might the be the part. top of it if yeah. you can't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just be, if it doesn't, be aware. If it doesn't feel like there is one, there's a good chance it's because. Right. You're some, sitting at some, the top of the pyramid. Somebody else in that group does not feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. be careful with that. Yes. So, and that's even, that can even be trickier. When, and I don't, I don't want to get us too far off topic, but that can even be trickier when we talk about friend groups and things like that. Consider that power dynamic or try to find it because if you are the one sitting at the top of the power dynamic and have to talk to somebody else in the group about something, that power dynamic is in play. Yeah. And if you don't know about it, if you, you don't know about it, you will trample somebody with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You have the potential to really um, to goof on it because you don't understand that you are acting in that power dynamic. And of course, some relationships have very explicit power dynamics. I mean, some of them. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Moving right along. <laughs> Um, so the, the next thing to consider from a social context perspective is contact outside the game. And this is sort of just that spectrum, right? Like there are people that you only see when you game with them. They're just your game friends, right? And so you're only dealing with game stuff with them and you only see them when you game. And then there's like, you know, I live with Andy. She's my roommate. Um, if we had a conflict in a game, I'm still going to see her a for the rest of the night and b the next morning and like yeah. all of that right You're like have dinner tomorrow like, <laughs> right like yeah. we're not going to be like you know if we need some time apart right like we live in the same house <laughs> sure and so this contact can be very this contact can be a lot so mm -hmm. Like the case of a roommate where you are sharing the same living space, right? So you will encounter each other quite a bit. This can be like coworkers where you're going to see this person, not all the time, but you're going to see them a bunch because yeah. you all go to work. Yep. And then, like you said, on the on the far end of it, there is like the casual friend, like you don't see them as much. And then on the extreme end, there is the con goer who oh, yeah. you may never see again. Uh-huh. But also like sometimes, and there's like the slightly in the middle one, which is con friends, right? I actually oh, have a bunch friends? of con friends in Denver and they're great folks, but I only see them when I go to conventions. Mm -hmm. That's literally the only time I see them. Mm -hmm. um, and then every now and then I run into somebody outside of a convention context and I'm like, hey, person. Awesome. It happened to me about a month ago. And I was like, oh, man, because I haven't gone to a convention since COVID. So. Exactly. Right. <laughs> anyway. No. Anyway, it's fine. All right. Let's talk about bias. Yes. So some people you don't see the same way. As other people do. Yep. Some people you uh, have a bias, a natural bias towards. It could be the most obvious. It could be a partner. Mm -hmm. You are a partner is a person you are very biased towards. Yes. Uh, and when we mean bias, I mean a bunch of things here. I mean, one, you will always think of them in a better light yes. than possibly, it you is. know, another context. It is easy to assume positive intent towards you, someone that you, you are you default to biased. positive intent yes you um will go out of your way not to hurt that person yes like you are protective of their feelings mm -hmm. uh, which can be tough when we talk about addressing conflict right yes um healthy relationships address 
conflict in a safe manner so that you don't have to be protective, um, but can be candid. Relationships that struggle or are that have difficulties are afraid of that. Yeah. And and there are a lot of us running around in the world, certainly, I think, and I'm speaking for myself here, right? <laughs> um, oh, uh, you're probably who, speaking for me too. So go yeah, ahead. But like there's, there's a, you know, with a lot of experiences where um, if you've been in an intimate relation with someone that conflict was not managed in a healthy way, then it's very easy to become conflict averse and do anything you can to avoid conflict in those intimate relationships. Because exactly. since it is so close to your heart, it can be very painful. Including um, basically not dealing. Yes, not. Like pretending it doesn't exist. Um, Working around it. Doing everything um, you can foregoing, to avoid it. Foregoing your, you know, foregoing yes. things that you want, that kind of thing. Yeah, just so as to not bring up the potential of conflict. Yeah, all, all yeah. kinds of stuff, right? So That's, recognize that there is a bias there. Yes. All right. Lastly. Other social connections. Yeah. Yes. So this is this is the part when that person who is in your group, you're also friends with their spouse who is not in your group, right? Um, so if you approach that person about a conflict, now you're going to be bringing in a third person who may or may not be there and things start getting more complicated, right? Yeah. So for in, I'll, I'll do the, um, when you we were working one. on this, yeah, yeah, I'll do the family one. So for instance, you are playing a game with your cousin who is being a problem at the table and you address it to them and they, your feelings get hurt and they go home and wind up telling your aunt and uncle that like they had kind of a blowout with you. Now you of course know your aunt and uncle because you have your own relationship with them and they have, you know, a relationship with your parents. And like all of a sudden you're at the dinner table and your mom's like, why are you giving your cousin so much of a problem? Right. And you're like, well, you know, and you're now defending decisions you made from a roundabout source. Right. Yes. And sometimes you want to not do that. Yes. Like, which makes you not want to deal with a problem because you're like, well, if I get into this whole thing with this person, it drags in these other people. And I don't want conflict with the with those people for whatever reason. This also holds true for coworkers. Yes, very much so. Right. Yeah. Um, and even even beyond the people outside of the actual game table, if you just think about other social connections within the context of the actual game table. If you have, um, you know, say two couples, just for instance, sitting at your table, and there is conflict with someone in one of those two sets of people, um, then you have, you, you may end up with basically a table divided, right? Like, these two people have a problem with this person's actions and then their spouse is going to support them because it's their spouse, right? Like, so, woof. Like, yes. the way that connections fall out, and sometimes that means out considering how your um, in-game conflict will ripple out into the rest of your social connections, and sometimes that means how is this conflict in my game rippling out through the stratosphere of social connections of the people at my table, right? Yeah. Yeah. Complicated. This is why 
like, you know, dating and breaking up with the guy in the game in college. I should say I didn't break up with him, but he did cheat on me <laughs> with someone else at the table. Like the reason that was so complicated was the changing stratosphere of social connections at my game table in college. Yeah. Was a disaster. <laughs> okay. So now <laughs> let me, so let me now start to frame this out. Yes. So what we've got is we've got, a, we've got different social contexts of people. These social contexts are made up of more than just the stuff we listed here, but made yes. up of things, including power dynamics, contact outside of the game, bias, and other social connections. Putting all of this together means that when you have to address a problem, when you have to speak to someone and say, hey, your behavior at the table is a problem or your behavior at the table is so egregious we do not want you to be at the game anymore etc yeah. yeah yeah all of the social context things we're talking about kick in and yes. depending on how much of them you are aware of consciously or subconsciously are is going to flavor how you deal with this right if you are dealing with a random person at a con that you've never seen before, you may just be like, yeah, you know what? I think we don't need to play with you. I'm very sorry it didn't work out. Have a good day. Right? Yeah. You're done. Never going to see him again, most yep. likely. Fine. You're on your way. No, very little social context, right? No yes. power dynamic, um, no contact outside of the game, no bias, no social connections. Yep. If be, be your polite table, and send them on their way. Yeah. If your table and you are having a problem with your partner. Yeah. We have now a whole different like set of social context, right? Probably no power dynamic. In some cases, some people will have a power dynamic. Mm. That's up to them. Yeah. Live and let live. Obvious contact outside of the game, near continuous contact outside of the game. Yes. Huge bias. Mm hmm And there are other social connections because it's your partner. You, like your partner has family that you may now be close to. Your partner may be close to your family. Like, why are you saying, like, why did you upset your partner as your mom is, you know, berating you over breakfast um, because of something that happened at your game, right? Like those things, those things loop. So. These things make you want to and not want to deal with these things. So let's talk a little bit about what, how the power or how these social contexts work for a family member. And then let's end off with some general tips for how to have discussions about problems in a way that isn't threatening. Yes. And by threatening, I mean, it doesn't make anyone in the... It does make the person that you're talking to feel threatened, so it doesn't put them on the defensive as much as possible. Right. As much as you can, right? They're, right so they're, first, not, they're not easy conversations to have, but yeah. Exactly. So first, let's talk about uh, Tiffany's specific thing, which is family member. So let's yes. let's go with family member as being, let's go with family member as cousin, right? Okay. And, and, and if it's sibling, some of these things will be more, and if it's... Um, yeah. And if it's like more distant than that, some of these things will be less, but it'll the context is basically the same. Yeah. So on the little display of sliders, right, just take and just like do, 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 switch up those switch up those little sliders or down those little sliders, depending on the particular context of your situation. Sure. Right? So that's what we're doing. So with cousin, is there a power dynamic? There could be. 
Maybe. It, you might be peers at age, but, um, or in my case, like in my family, I am the oldest cousin out mm-hmm. of all my cousins. There is an implied power dynamic with my other cousins. Like I am the like de facto head of our peer group, like of our tier of of family. I am the exact opposite. I am the youngest cousin on both sides. <laughs> and therefore, especially growing up as a as a kid, always was like at the bottom of that right. power dynamic and felt it. Right. Yeah. I was I was the looking up to them, wanting to be like them, all of that stuff. Right. Like, please play with me, senpai. Right. Like I, that was my cousin I was experience. The, I was the complete opposite <laughs> side of this where my little cousins always wanted to play with me. Yep. Right. You know, despite the things I wanted to do, et cetera. Yes. <laughs> Boy, does that say a lot. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Well, we can have that discussion later. <laughs> All right. So power dynamic possible, mm-hmm. right? Some Maybe. Yeah. Contact outside of the game, depending on where your family lives and how much you see each other, there's going to be some contact. Mm-hmm. Bias. We're all somewhat biased to our family members unless you have some real dysfunction rocking in your family where you're like no these and then you still have bias it may just not it's be positive bias negative bias right yeah. might be negative bias in which um, case though like why did why are they playing in your game but that may be all uh, other social context pressure stuff from the rest of your family right like correct. absolutely well, could be and, a thing and here comes the last part which is absolutely yeah. true <laughs> other, other social, social connections. connections you are family you are all connected through each other to other people yeah so absolutely happens so yes when you have to deal with a problem all of these things are in play so let's talk about it right <laughs> yeah i'm going to give the best pieces of advice I have, but I'm going to quote the source because you should absolutely go and find the source. We've mentioned it before. Um, I'm going to just type it really quick so I can find it. Cool. The, um, the fun part is I actually have no idea what you are about to bring up. Sure. I took this training once uh, many years ago and I've ta- retaken it once before. And it was probably one of the best things I ever took. It is a it is a book. It is a thing that you can find for training, and I will check in a moment to see if it's on YouTube. It is called Crucial Conversations, and um, it's called Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. So it talks about how to have difficult conversations with people, with all of the things that we just, like all of the social context that we just talked about. Yeah. So I learned it when I, I learned it at work because it was a way for us to learn how to deal with our peers and then people above us and below us in a way that was non-threatening, constructive, right? Ultimately, these are the things. So these are the things you want to have when you're having this discussion is that you want it to be constructive. That is, you are saying this because you want to affect change. Yeah. You need it to be non-threatening. Threats are what make people defensive, Defensive people don't change. They dig in. Yes. And it's very hard to change. Um, Even when you um, have realized that you are um, speaking from a position of being defensive, it is really hard to get that um, defensiveness back down once it's come up. Right. It is. And it, it is an act of effort 
on the uh, person who is feeling defensive, which may not be a place that they're in to do when you approach them about a game problem. So, so I'm going to tell you, if you go onto YouTube and just put in crucial conversations into the search bar, there are a whole bunch of um, there are a whole bunch of talks on this. Watch some of these for some some of the specific techniques. But let me say something to tack onto what you were saying. And I think you will find this to be true. I know it was true for me. Change only comes when you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You can't like you will not change when you are not safe. You will hide things. Yeah. You will mask things when you are unsafe. Yeah. But change occurs when you feel safe. So when you are confronting someone with a problem at the table, you need them to feel safe if you want a change to occur. Now, if you want to kick them out, like if you're just having this conversation to boot them out of the game, understand that all the things that we said about social context is true and all those things are going to happen and, you, you know, let them go in the nicest way possible, still using many of these crucial conversation techniques of how to make this non-defensive and how to talk about how they just need to leave the game. It's fine. But you're not looking to affect change in that person. If you want to affect change in a person, you have to make them feel safe. Yeah. And then they will want to do the work to change. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. So part of Crucial Conversations is some of these sound kind of obvious, but trust me, you really have to like listen to yourself or rehearse these things before you do it. You want to talk about the problem in a way that doesn't make them defensive. Avoid like you did this. Right. This this, is what you're doing at the table. Right. I'm pointing as well, which is even worse. Right. (laughs) Right. But this is about making sure that you are talking about um, the behavior or the problem, not the person. Exactly. And and that's that's specifically making sure that you are not saying that they are a bad person because they did this, but the behavior is problematic which gives them the opportunity to make a change, right? Yeah. So you can't be like, hey, you're being a jerk at the table. Okay. Right there. Boom. Shields go up. Yeah. Because like, now I'm a up, jerk. Digging in. Right. Right. I, they, I'm not a jerk. They're jerks. Right. Like yeah. the reflections, the deflections start, all of that. But if you say something like, hey, I know that you are really good with the rules of this game. And I know that you are you know, an obvious leader type at the table, at the table, everywhere else, right? You're, you're just a natural leader type. Some of the people in the game are not having as much fun when you are, and I know you're just trying to provide good advice, but it feels like you're telling them how to take their turns. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what can we do so that um, that happens less? Like, is there a way that you can either not give them advice or maybe save some advice or maybe as a group we can talk about how and when to give advice so that people don't feel like they're being ordered around or told to take specific actions but instead you're just sharing all that really good knowledge you have about how to play the game and things like that yeah so notice like i used positive terms i i I worked very hard to keep them off the defensive. I offered some ideas for how we might resolve this, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. The crucial conversation thing is so good, right? Like I took, like I said, I was like in my twenties when I took this and I was like, wow, (laughs) like 
there have been a handful of work um, trainings. Like there are a lot of work trainings I roll my eyes at. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm taking this. And then every now and then I stumble onto one that is uh, that was really helpful. This is one of the foundational ones that I took um, to heart, which is how you have these conversations. And it really is. It's about not being mad. It's about addressing the problem in a way that people aren't defensive. It is acknowledging it's having empathy, right? It's acknowledging how people are going to feel. That person's definitely going to feel like they're going to, they're going to like, you all know, I was telling them they were being an alpha player. They know it too, right? Yeah. They're not oblivious. When I, when I said it that nice way, they're not oblivious that I just called them an alpha player. They're going to suddenly feel bad about it. If they're like a, caring person, right? If they're like a callous person, they're going to be like, fuck it. They make bad decisions. I'm trying to save us all from getting killed, right? That's. But if they're like, if they are also a good person, they're going to feel bad knowing that like, oh shit, I just like, I've been bossing the whole table around. Apparently I've been doing it and no one likes it. Do they like me? Do they not like me? Do they not want to play? Like, that's where empathy needs to like, like empathy needs to rush in and be like, everybody still likes you. Just if we can just change this thing like everybody at the table like the table is just going to be that much happier yeah if we can just come to a different solution for this part and i think part of this and i am not speaking from a place of having any knowledge of crucial conversations you would right? actually be a person who um it might be really would, helpful for me right now well your position i mean your having, position now includes having to tell people yes, bad news yeah um a lot. Um, I've yes. been telling people things they don't want to hear a yeah. lot. Um, a product manager's job is not always to say yes, right? Like a nope. product manager's job is sometimes to say no. Uh, you make it sound like it's mostly yes and sometimes no. And my personal experience so far has been the exact opposite. Man, it's if you had more developers, you could say no. yes more often. <laughs> um your your ability to say yes is hampered by the personnel that you have at hand to to affect the these number things. of actual hands yes. on keyboards that are available to me. Um, no, but the, so the thing that I was going to say that I think connects in well, both with the empathy and, um, you know, what a person might be feeling on the other side is I think that it can also be helpful in a conversation to find out why a specific behavior is happening. Like, it may Mm -hmm. not always be helpful. It depends on what the behavior is, right? Like, take this in context. Do what is appropriate for your situation. But, for example, if you are having a conversation with that person who is being a rules lawyer and also telling everybody else what to do, understanding a little bit more about why that's how they're approaching the game table. Um, You know, the previous GM that they played with was a rocks fall. You all die if you don't have every, you know, rule pinned down or whatever it is. You know, um, sometimes you can also just address the underlying concern or um, reset the expectation of how the table culture works um, to ease those problems, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a secondary part, which is also understanding where a person is coming from that is creating the behavior um, and, and being able to address that with them to also make the game potentially better for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely awesome. Because I, th- I feel like there's a lot of damaged gamers wandering around who have, um, you know, stereotypical ideas of or have played with GMs who ran games with the very stereotypical idea of, um, you know, if you screw up even minorly, then like 
haha, you're dead, right? Or whatever it is, right? Like very, um, it's not, what's the opposite of cooperative, collaborative? Adversarial. Yeah, thank you. I was like a very adversarial GM relationship, right? And folks coming from situations like that into a less adversarial um, game often react to non-adversarial collaborative GMs as if they were adversarial, right? So that's like one type of scenario that this could happen in. And then that behavior seems really strange and out of place at a collaborative table. Yeah. Right? So as an example, but there are more examples for why specific behaviors could be happening. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to just, I want to get ready to start tying this up because we are, we are actually... It, we, it is actually hilarious. Like when we ad lib these things, we're like, I always if we'll have enough time to no, f- like, we're we just, perfect. We no, we're actually more. right on time. I just want to tell <laughs> yeah, you, we're go. not, we're right on time. Okay. So I want to kind of come around, summarize it all back up. Right. Good. So when there are problems in the games that are not safety problems and you need something, you need to do something about it in order to um, get the flow and groove of the game back to where it needs to be. You often have to confront somebody. A lot of times this falls to the job of a GM because, again, the GM winds up as the de facto leader of the group. Mm -hmm. So this will oftentimes fall onto a GM, but it could just as easily be the job of another player to have this conversation or it could be a group conversation. Just also be aware in group settings, sometimes people feel threatened when it's multiple people. There are times there are times where having a one on one is uh, a better deal. Probably a little Um, gentler. Yeah. Yeah. But what this comes down to is that the skills, these crucial conversation skills, I highly recommend them. Like I said, go watch a couple of YouTube videos. Even just a couple of those will help you with your approach. There is a book. It is it is absolutely worth a read, especially if this is a thing you have to do quite often. But remember that any time that you are talking about addressing a problem with someone, there is a social context in which you and this person exist. And taking that into account, thinking about things like the power dynamic, your contact outside of the game, bias, and and other social connections will help you shape how to have that conversation and understand what the ramifications of this conversation will be. Like, where else will this conversation appear? Um, Or what else do I have to do? But ultimately, what we're trying to do is if you want to affect change and not boot somebody out of a game, make them feel safe. So work towards that with some empathy, cooperation, those kinds of things. When somebody feels safe is the best chance for them to make a positive change. Yes. Cool. That sounds great. Boy, that hardly, I know that was a gaming topic, but boy. (laughs) It didn't really feel like one, did it? it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it goes to our core, it goes to our (laughs) core tenant of what we say about the show, which I will say in a few minutes when we get to the closing so in order to do that, would you tell me about another show on the on the Misdirected Mark Network? I would love to. On the Gnome cast, several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together and talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. Sometimes mm-hmm. we even succeed. Indeed. <laughs> Say Sunday. Where do people find us on the internets? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. Did I say Twitter? Um, Twitter. No, it was Twitter. It mostly came out as Twitter. Um, at Pandas at Pandas Talk Games, and you can find us 
um, in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. And if you like, you can send us an email if you prefer, um, which is panda at misdirectedmark.com. And if you don't like any of those and you want to go on a treasure hunt on the internet, you can and uh, should actually find us on TikTok and you can send us things there as well. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Just like Tiffany did, send us a question, a comment, a topic, an idea of something that we could shed light on to make GMing more enjoyable for you. Hey, nobody wants to have these kind of tough conversations. So hopefully um, our advice today will help you have those conversations in a way that doesn't isn't as terrible and is more effective. Um, and in doing that, we'll make your table better. We'll make your game better. We'll make you want to run more games and game with more people, play more different games, all of that stuff, um, which just makes all of the hobby better. So your question is helping a whole bunch of people have better games and all of us to persist longer in the hobby. Hooray. So good job on you. Like, thank you. Um, and again, as a reminder, 95% or higher of the show is sourced by you. We don't make these topics up. Yes. <laughs> so we are the car talk of GMing. Yes. We expect you to call in and tell us what sounds funny and maybe what you've tried to do to fix it already. And then we'll give you some advice to take back to your table. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. And that's why we want to do it. We want you to play more better games for all the reasons we just stated. So do that. Send us stuff, please. We love yes. you. Yes. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, hit us up on Patreon. Patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get access to the Bamboo Lounge from this show, the aftertakes from the Misdirected Mark, access to our awesome Slack room um, community, uh, including our Friday Slack chats. Uh, our lunchtime chats. Um, and, you know, occasionally when we have some bonus stuff, uh, we throw it to our patrons first yeah. because, you know, we do. So consider um, giving us that, uh, helping us out there. Uh, I know Chris posted a thing the other day thanking our uh, patrons because uh, we had to go buy some more cords and stuff for the misdirected mark setup because we're kind of messing with where to put mics and stuff like that. We needed some extension um, cords for some of the equipment and Chris was able to get it because uh, your patronage makes it possible. So yeah, I think you guys, you guys got some new mics and stuff too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a thing. Coming. It's it, coming. It's in, no, no, it's we in got, evolution. We got new mics. We yeah, got yeah. new mics. We, um, the way we were using them, was creating an audio hell for Chris. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. We are now doing better with that. Like we've okay. changed the we've changed up the table again, and turns out shotgun mics that can that are pointing vaguely in the same direction as multiple shotgun mics and people, um, unless you're breaking out individual tracks and doing stuff like you know individual track cleaning and editing, um, it's a pain. Uh, but we're fixing. We're fixing. We constantly evolve Working and grow. Anyway, yep. good. Anyway, tie that off real quick. Yes. Back back to the closing, <laughs> um, which is if you are a patron of our show uh, and network, thank you very much. If you're not, we understand. But there's a thing you can do to help us. Super effective, and Sunday's going to tell you all about it. 
Yeah, you don't even have to spend any money, but it does take a little bit of time. Um, if you can, just let a friend know. Um, wherever you talk to friends about role-playing games, um, tell them about Pandas Talking Games. We super appreciate that. We definitely um, see people come and listen to us because someone has recommended to us and it's my faves. Um, or you can write us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And every new review we get there is kind of like telling a stranger that you like us too. Um, you know, still helps us out. Um, hopefully helps us float a little bit higher on the uh, charts when someone is searching for RPGs since panda is not usually the word that they are looking for. Just just a side yeah, note. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> SEO, not our strong oh. suit. <laughs> okay. All right. Say Senda. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do about my cousin in this game? Yeah, I think you're going to have to have a conversation with them. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy. Clicky. Are we good? Yeah, we're totally fine. <laughs> Compose yourself and then we'll I'm get ready composed. to... I'm composed. You all right? <laughs> Something happened off mics? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is your fault. <laughs> Are you going to say hello? Hi. Not to me. No. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. You know the person who's got to clean up this mess right now. No, it's okay though. We're gonna we're gonna do the stuff. We're gonna we're gonna give them the the stuff that they need to make this pretty. Now, I'm gonna stop bonking into my microphone stand and messing with the cord, all of the things. And then, should we do silence first? Yes, please. Please be quiet for ten seconds. Oh my god! (laughs) Bloop. Excellent. Now let's count. Oh my god! <laughs> Is there something wrong? <laughs> Is the cadence of my voice causing you some problems? Okay, do you want to start counting? You want me to start counting? I think I better start. You're kind of a mess right now. Take a deep breath. Okay, well, you gotta get it. You gotta stop doing the thing. All right, relax. I got it. I'm a professional. Uh huh. I have a sign that says that. Right I over do too. Mm-hmm. Bloop. One. Two. Three. Four. You're not doing a very good job of holding it together. <laughs> You're not doing a very good job of not doing the thing that nobody else can see. Anyway. Bloop. All right. Let's do this. Showtime. Showtime. Okay. I'm here together. It'll be great. Totally know what we're talking about. Bloop. Don't worry, Ryan. It's never lined up when we sing it. It's always it's always off. It's not you. Bloop. And welcome to another fine game of Wait, what? <laughs> wow, so rare that I blooper, but that that just happened. <laughs> Let me try it again. The Wednesday of um, November 11th. Uh, what, what am I saying? No, no. 11th. 
11 is November. I can't read notes suddenly. Okay. There will be no episode. Bloop. Show me what you got. Show, Show me what, what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Bloop. There we go. <laughs> well, look at that. Not bad. Not bad for a no, uh, what you no, call it? Script. no script show. Yeah, we gotta. I'm, I have to remember to tell Ryan, um, that uh, he's actually truly gonna have to edit the beginning of the show just a tiny bit there. Um, why was there something you said? No, there was something you said. <laughs> was there? Yeah, you screwed up your opening. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I did screw that up. I did. <laughs> You're trying to make it sound like you said something naughty, but you didn't. You just screwed up the opening. Oh, I said some things naughty. I don't yeah, think we even we, wound up on. We the, were not recording yet. Yeah, I don't think they wound up on the recording. Well done. But well yes, done thank for you. not saying that. Thank you. Things recording. <laughs>